And I was walking up and down the aisle at the bookstore. At the time, it was the occult aisle because that's what they named all of this. So I'm walking up and down, what can I read next? What can I read next? And I see the book and the book is The Journey of Robert Monroe. And I, I just was in shock because this is that place. This was a book about that place that I had read about so many years ago and just didn't really think I could ever get there. My guest today is Alan Evans, who's the current CEO of the Monroe Institute. Alan, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's taken us a while to get the, the calendars to sync up, but I'd like to start with some background of what your life was like growing up, and then can you tell us about what led to your role at the Monroe Institute? Sure. So I grew up in Mississippi in a small town and just a very solid family, uh, friends and neighbors environment. Uh, so definitely uh, grew up with a lot of support. And as I grew older, I started getting a young adult. I started getting very curious about things I was reading and it would be associated with this concept, just like what we say here at Monroe, you're more than your physical body. Yes. What we ask you to believe. Um, that, wow, I am more than my physical body. And the way I was raised, I didn't know that. So I was reading these books that were just blowing my mind, you know, reshaping my paradigm there. <laughs> and um, I started getting very curious. So I was always was curious. So I started seeking and trying to figure out, well, if these people that I'm reading about can do these things, like be more intuitive, be more psychic, uh, have these experiences, well, I should be able to, right? And that's, so I, I was just going after it and trying to solve that problem and trying to figure it out. It dawned on me one time when I was reading a book from a psychic who said, this is how you do it. And I've been doing it since I was three. <laughs> that, wait a minute, if you've been doing it since you were three, how are you gonna teach me? Because I haven't been doing it since I was three. I'm probably, you know, by then I was like, probably late twenties, early thirties. So I had some other things I had to learn how to do to, you know, to reach that state. So I started again, reading more books and I found the Monroe Institute in books. And when I did that, it was years before the internet. So I couldn't just get on here and Google and go, what is it? But I just knew it as this mysterious place somewhere out there that people seem to develop these skills that I was seeking to, to develop. So I, I just, I read the books, I kept thinking about it. I then went on my own self-taught path. I didn't have a teacher and it was probably because I didn't have the courage to go out and say, hey, I'm looking for this. <laughs> I'm looking for that teacher. Didn't have the resources to go, you know, say one of the authors and go, hey, call them up and pay them to help me. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? So I started with dream analysis and I started meditating. Now my meditation practice was really bizarre at the time because again, it's me reading it from books, not really understanding, but I was learning how to quiet the mind and how to get in that very thoughtful, uh, expanded state. So I just continued that practice. Dream analysis helped me learn what I call like a second language so that I could interpret and process 
nonverbal communication, which is typically how you might receive information, say from a guide in dreams, from a meditation. So that was a big step for me. And then 2008, I was, so fast forward many years later, I was with my daughter in a bookstore and I was walking up and down the aisle of the book and at the time, at the bookstore, at the time it was the occult aisle because that's what they named all of this. So I'm walking up and down, what can I read next? What can I read next? And I see the book and the book is The Journey of Robert Monroe. And I, I just was in shock because this is that place. This was a book about that place that I had read about so many years ago and just didn't really think I could ever get there. So I bought the book, read the book. By the end of the book, I had bought all the Gateway series, which is a, then it was six, a package that I could go through all of these exercises, which we call meditations, um, until explaining the Gateway process, which is our flagship program here. Before I was done, I was like, I don't care if I have the money. I don't care how I do it. I've got to go. And so I was there by March of 2009, taking my first gateway. That was, so that's how I started. <laughs> that, that must have been exciting. I've, I've, uh, one of my ambitions is to be able to go and do the gateway program actually at the Monroe Institute, not just the, yes. the virtual one. And was it, yeah. uh, was it Far Journeys? Was that the book, the, the first book that you read? No, actually, it was the journey of Robert Monroe. Oh, so it's it called the journey of Robert Monroe. Okay. It was it was written by Ron Russell, who was a friend of his. Right. And what I love about the book is it it's a very real explanation of the man. So it, it introduces weaknesses, strengths, and then the story of how it all unfolded. Ah, oh, interesting. I've never run across that one, and, and I've read all of Robert Monroe's books like several times. Right. Those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that for me came later. I wasn't interested in out of body. Yeah. I didn't even know when I first showed up here, I wasn't concentrating on that at all. And then the other thing I was telling Scooter McMonagle today, who's married to Joe McMonagle, who's also Bob and Rose's uh, daughter, um, I, I said, you know, when I came here, Joe was here and he came to speak, and I had no idea who he was. And there were people in the room at Gateway that just went crazy. And I'm going, who is this guy? <laughs> and he was a remote viewer 001 for a government program in the 70s, I believe, is when it started. So, again, I, I was so, I had this tunnel vision about developing my intuitive abilities that I didn't focus on the other things that this place offers. You went to the, the Gateway program. So, can you tell us about your experience going through that? Yes. You know, it's interesting because I, I've, you know, I've been a Gateway trainer for several years, and I'm not doing that now, but um, about a decade, I was doing Gateway. And from my own experience, I was one of the people that I, I was having, I had, a, um, let's say I had experiences, I knew something was happening on a deeper level, and I also realized it once I left, but it wasn't the spectacular experiences that you do hear about some people having. So you'll find it, it, it at least from my observation, it happens one or two ways. And so some people will just have these incredible meditations that they're talking to deceased loved ones and, uh, you know, having these connections to guidance that they can actually have some kind of real uh, or feel like a real experience. And then there's others who it's more subtle and it's more of an opening and receiving, but maybe you just in one meditation, you see a symbol of a rose, let's say, 
You're not over there talking to your deceased loved one, but that rose has a very powerful message for you. So I was more on that track <laughs> when I first showed up. But I, again, I knew it was very important. And I had been listening to those CDs at, at, that, yeah, they were CDs at the time um, before I got there and was already having things happen. I've got a number of other questions. Yeah, tell us about your, your meditation practice, because you just mentioned that briefly and you, and you start off with a, a bizarre one. Well, Can you, what's your current meditation practice look like? I would say, well, this was in the beginning when I didn't know what I was doing. It was just more finding you know, time. I tended to like to do that in the bedroom. That was a private place for me. And I would just try to go for extended periods of time uh, either doing something like a Wayne Dyer would say with the the alming or the toning, or again trying to just have an affirmation that helped me stay focused on either the affirmation or clear my head. Once I found the the technology Hemisync, then that tool that tool helped me do that. And also because the meditations or exercises are purpose driven, very instructional then that was my, you know, the next step. And that's what I still do today. Yeah. I find them really, yeah. really useful as well. Sometimes if, if you I just don't want to sit down and try to be quiet and, and the, uh, the hemisync is good for, if you've, if my, I've got the, um, the rabbit brain going, I call it, then, then that really just quietens things down and you can actually have a bit of peace for a while, which is really, really good. So after you did that, how did you go from actually attending the, the Gateway program to becoming a trainer to then like your, your current role? How did that evolve? Right. So when you when you take two programs, then you have an option if you're interested in helping you know, spread this out to others or teach it or train it. We have a program called Outreach where you can teach basically the first two days of Gateway. It's a little bit different, but it's 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 similar in the material. And so I did that the next year. I signed up, went through the program. And then the following year, I was one of the, um, I did more outreach programs than anybody in the U.S. So that made me, um, they looked at me and said, hmm, what's she doing? Because our U.S. outreach trainers tend to have trouble filling seats. And so then I was asked to be the outreach trainer, co-trainer. And then from that evolved gateway in a few a few years after that okay so you really took to it like a like a fish to water yeah you know it's interesting because over the years i have and sometimes i've chided myself about this about being so narrowly focused on monroe uh hemisync monroe sound science is our evolution of that um that i maybe i was missing other teachings that would have been very helpful to either to me or to others I, I teach. But I realize now sitting here, that was probably all by design because that's where I needed to be focused so that I could be a just very clear channel of this process, this work, the sound technology. Okay. Has your view of consciousness and consciousness studies, has that evolved since you've been involved with the Monroe Institute? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I mean, as far as research, we're we're getting more and more active. We just recently hired, as of January this year, hired a full-time researcher, co-director of research. And before that, we were usually having, well, I say for five years before that, we had a, one researcher, also co-director of research, who would only be able to give us one day a week. 
So it's exciting now to really be able to focus on this and to look and see what's happening in the brain when we're doing these meditations, when we're using the sound technology. We've got a program called Discovery. We've got a few others that we now use the Mind Mirror EEG system. Are you familiar with that? I have not heard about that, so tell us about that too. So, so that was created by Max Cade, and it's a way to, it's a, it's a, I think it's a four channel, but it's a way to measure the pat, like what's going on in the brain. He was also innovative like Bob Monroe, started around that same time. And he was like, okay, something is happening in a healer's mind, a psychic's mind, a medium's mind that's different, that's happening to just every, you know, everyday folks. So he wanted to map that out. And so he invited these people, these individuals to his place and he used his mind mirror EEG system and he discovered that there were certain patterns, brainwave patterns that these particular individuals tended to have or to be able to reach. So what we can do now is use that, those patterns when we're in uh, meditations using sound technology or without sound without sound technology. And we can see that we've, we're getting those patterns. So a medium's pattern, for example, very common for a medium is called the awakened mind state. And so when I'm saying patterns, that means there's a certain amount of theta, there's a certain amount of delta, certain amount of beta, which is where you're more conscious and alert. And they stay in a, a specific shape. And that's when they can tap into source guidance information. So his theory was the more people that can learn how to do this, that he could train to do this, then the happier, more successful, more prosperous, more peaceful individuals would be. So now we have one of the individuals who's taking on the mind mirror work, Judith Pennington, who trains courses here with us. And we use the mind mirror and, and she's just blown away by what happens here uh, with the brainwave patterns and what we're able to reach and demonstrate. Uh, interestingly enough, they, they've discovered that when people have out-of-body experiences, the brainwaves collapse. So it's literally like they're gone. Wow. And so that, that's been a fun uh, thing to see. So that's a revelation that's only come about just recently, this, the collapsing of the brainwaves. That's my understanding that it's something she discovered, she realized here as she was gathering this data. I think it was in Daryl Anker's book who channels Bashar. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure in his book, they mentioned how he was, they hooked him up to a machine and, and it was very consistent. Like the, the, the pattern that his brain went into a very sort of almost like a deep sleep pattern, but he was, he was, he's conscious whenever he would sort of go into the channeling because he's like a more of a it's sort of a semi-conscious channel that's the interesting part because when you're doing this and you have a big band of theta you know you're really in that theta state a lot of people can't aren't conscious they, they haven't had training to be consciously aware of what's happening and that's when we're in those uh, like those states between sleep and awake uh when we're when we're having access to that subconscious information and so it's very it's a good well, you know, it's good to learn that because you can access more of your total self, in my opinion, if you're able to do that. And interestingly enough, I did the sound technology for 10 years before I actually had my own mind mirror session. And it, and it, it was a little nerve wracking for me because it was in a conference room. Straight, I was sitting in a straight back chair. My back was sore. 
and they were asking me to do this on demand. And I, my, a board member was there doing it with me. And I was a trainer. I was like, oh, what if I blow this? I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, oh my, oh, this could be just terrible. I did it anyway. So within the first, it was a 20 minute session. She verbally guided it. So she could later ask what was happening during the specific parts as we looked at the pattern, you know, unfolding. So she said that she reported that I was able to go to a theta state, a really heavy band of theta within less than 30 seconds without sound technology. So that told me, wow, okay, this stuff is doing something. You know, it's helped me do this very easily. And then I maintained the awakened mind state, which is the one the mediums and the healers tend to, to first go to. And I, I stayed in that for 97% of a 20 minute session when I was in pain and there were people walking around and bright lights and I was sitting in a straight back chair. Then the evolved brain is the one where you are starting to um, possibly be channeling or you know making some kind of stronger connection to more than what's right around you, your total self. I hit that 30% of the time. Again, I, I believe it's because of the training that I have done previously and the, the you know, using the sound technology on a regular basis. But the interesting thing was, and this is what kind of blew my mind, when we're when we were talking, like after it was over, the board member went first, then it was my turn. So he just has this amazing experience. I call them bells and whistles, where it's just like, you know, talking to again, maybe an angel or a deceased loved one, or you know, or maybe there's a, a buddy rabbit that's uh, talking to you as your guide. And so he's, you know, telling about this fabulous thing that just happened in 20 minutes. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh, that's not what happened here. <laughs> and I really started sinking down in my chair because I was like, oh, this is not good. It was like my fears had come true. So she started talking to me about it. And she kept asking me questions. And I was going, no, nothing really happened. No, mm -mm. no, because I didn't have, you know, the interaction with anything. Not, you know, not auditory, not visually, you know, nothing. So finally she said, okay, what was happening right here when I was talking about opening the door? And all, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, that is when I felt like I was in this complete state of unconditional love and I was so supported and I was one with the universe, you know, just kind of having that kind of moment. And she goes, okay, that that's evolved. That's the evolved mind state. And that's when you opened up to that channeling possibility. Well, I was, you know, I, I was going to discard the whole thing. So what, why it changed the way I look at this is because I realized, yes, the bells and whistles are fun. It's nice to have these experiences, but that's not really why we're here. That's not what we're doing. We're wanting to reach that space. That's very dark, very quiet, very still and just filling us with, love and support. So was that uh, one of the sort of more defining moments that you've had? Or have you had any other um, moments or experiences that have really changed your perspective or what you think about consciousness? That certainly did uh, change my perspective again, because I just thought it was more about what I was receiving in a, in a two way communication system. Mm. So yes, that that certainly did. And then um, I've had other experiences that it's interesting. It's more like breadcrumbs. 
And when you, that's why we always say, please journal, journal everything. Because when you look back, you see that you're, you're giving little hints and breadcrumbs to help you follow the path, the path that's yours to follow. Even though you might be afraid, even though you might have, you know, fears about um, your ability to do it, whether you think, think you have the, the resources, whether you think that you have the skills, whatever it is, um, but you can see that you're, it's, a, it's an unfolding of a jigsaw puzzle. And sometimes it takes years before you see it. And so me sitting in this position, I definitely had a lot of those um, moments where I was like, okay, now why did I have that meditation and that experience when there's no way that I would end up in this position or um, disinvolved? I remember reading my journals after the first year of me starting this process, coming to Monroe. I had not, I had totally forgotten that I had been receiving information because I'm auditory, so I hear things, um, that I'd been receiving information that the Monroe Institute needed me. And I was embarrassed to write, I would say, okay, this is crazy. I'm going to write it down anyway, but I keep getting this message. And I, I'd forgotten it. Well, a year later, I'm reading my journal and I am now leading the local chapter network, which was now the Monroe community groups. I'm the chair of launching the entire project worldwide. When I was getting the messages, I was a stay at home mom with some random contracts, feeling very underutilized and wanting to be of service. So yeah, that, that was a that's when I realized, or I guess a, a way for me to look back and go, you know, we really are supported. We really are guided and we just have to pay attention. Hmm. Pay attention. Yeah. Sometimes the messages are subtle, aren't they? Uh, yes. <laughs> that's why you write them down too, because sometimes it, ma it makes zero sense because maybe it is just a symbol of a rose. It, it sometimes is like a big jigsaw puzzle with all these tiny little pieces that you're putting together over time. And again, it could be 10 years. It could be 20 years. It could be one year. Did you ever get to meet Bob Monroe before he passed on? Uh, no, he died in 1995. Oh, after Bob passed on and then after his wife was his wife, Nancy, I think, um, was, was he someone that was around, uh, during your time? No. Or? I, no. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, <laughs> there's like, they're all, they're all veterans, aren't they? It's such a old, I guess Bob's books are like written in the eighties. So that's, yeah, we're going back a fair way. Um, and then the other one, the more, I think it was actually, it was Tom Campbell's books. Um, yes. That's, uh, that's, I think that's how many of us found out about the Monroe Institute. Um, right. And I do know Tom, he's a wonderful man. Yeah. He's very, very generous with his time. He's, I think he's probably one of the most widely, if not the most widely interviewed person who I know of that's been at the Monroe Institute. He's very, very generous. So the, the focus, uh, the, when I first heard about focus levels was actually in Bruce Moen's books, which, uh, was at okay. Voyages into the afterlife. And so could you t tell us a little bit about uh, what the focus levels are and, you know, how that fits in with the programs? 
Right. So this is, this, it's really the system that Bob Monroe created and he, it was like a map of consciousness. So what he discovered is when we were putting together different frequencies, people tended to have similar experiences and not, not similar outcomes, but the first one focused 10. And I say first, they're not, there's no order. And Bob, Bob Monroe tried to help it not be hierarchical, hierarchical because of the, um, because he didn't want it to look that way. But when you have, you know, 10, 12, 15, that's what it sounds like. You know, it sounds like one, the higher level must be better. That's not the case. But focus 10 is body asleep, mind awake. It's one of, to me, it's one of the most exciting focus levels because that's where you really learn that what I was talking about, reaching those theta states and having a lot of delta going on, but you have theta too, you are alert. You can remember the experiences. So it's a really great training focus level. And you literally will feel like your body's asleep. And you, I remember when I was doing it at home before I came here, I would have these moments when I was doing focus 10 and I would hear somebody breathing very heavily. And I was like, you know, and I would just be going in, in my head. It would kind of scare me. Like who, who, what is that? Where, where am I hearing that? Well, it would be me. <laughs> I, my body was asleep. So, I mean, you literally in those, when you get into those very heavy focus level, focus 10 level states, you can be snoring and go, okay, who's snoring? <laughs> it's me. Um, so it's an interesting phenomena. Focus 12 is another level. And that's the way I look at that is it's, it's an expansion of self. It's where we're looking at total self of access. So some people might say higher self. And that's where a lot of nonverbal communication can come in. Uh, from it's, You can think of it like a dream state, a meditative state that's uh, where you're able to access those different part, parts of yourself. Maybe an inner child, maybe it's a, a pieces of your soul that you're trying to bring back to you. And then focus 15 is no time. It's called the void. And it's where we can really play around with uh, past, future, uh, present moment. And it's a, it's a state really of initiation. It usually means you want to be initiating something so that something occurs. Otherwise it can tend to just be this silent void that you're in, which is nice too. And then focus 21 is the way I look at focus 21 is that we're going beyond. And that's where we're, we're really stepping into that space that we can reach out to deceased loved ones, guidance, things like that. And then focus 27, we call the park. And that's just, it's, it's interesting. This, it, it has this amazing energy now because so many of us have gone there in our meditations and it seems to almost have a structure to it. Like you'll go there and see the healing center. You can go there and see the, um, the book, the hall of records. You can go there and um, even we have a class called X 27, where you go build your place there, but you can, when you go meditate, you can go hang out in that space. So it's a it's one of my favorites just because of how broad and um, and and we sh so many of us have shared experiences there. So that's just a few of them, the basic ones. So the your everyday work and the people you're involved with, uh, and I guess kind of what I do as well, you you get used to the idea that we're working and talking about things that a lot of people are very skeptical of. And so what, what do you generally say to people who doubt the legitimacy of phenomena like OBEs or psychic abilities? 
You know, so one of the things we pride ourselves in is that we want you to have the experience. We don't, you know, so I'm sitting here telling you about some of my experiences, but what I really want to happen is for you to come here, you to get on our app, you to come to a program, not to give me money, but for you to have the experience. And the sound technology is a key driver for that. I mean, we had a Buddhist monk in the 1990s that came from Canada. He was the head of a, um, an order and he spent one week with us. And at the end, he was like, you Americans, y'all figure out the shortcuts to everything. And he realized that this was a fast track compared to years and years and years and years of sitting. And it is. I mean, you can be in those states and hold those states for extended periods periods of time without discipline, you know, except the discipline of the 30 minutes, 45 minutes that you listen to the meditation. I've always been fascinated by the out-of-body experience. That's kind of my go-to thing. And I've been successful one time. So I'm, oh. I'm interested in being more successful than just than just once. So, you know, what would you say to someone in, in my position as far as, okay, well, I'm thinking about doing something with my Monroe Institute. What should I do? Uh, well, so we do have OB Spectrum, which I have trained. And that gives you a lot of different ways to experience or view an out-of-body. Most people, now when you had yours, was it a, would you call it a traditional type experience, a classic experience where you're, you know that you're out, you know, then you can look down at your body where you've left it, maybe a silver cord, maybe a vibration before all that happens. It wasn't quite that because my, my intention, so I'd, I'd, uh, I followed uh, Michael Verduga's methodology okay. so it was i was i just woken up and i just managed to catch myself as i'd woken up and i was thinking about standing in front of the bathroom mirror and then zip i was in front of the bathroom oh, mirror sure. so that's and so i was away from my body like in a different floor of the house at that point so i didn't get to see that but that that was the only difference i would say the rest of it was fairly similar to what other people have described okay and so that the what we find is people really want the classic traditional experience, just what I was mm, explaining. Yep. What we teach at the OB Spectrum program is that there's so many different ways for this to happen. And it's really more about the outcome, not how you get there. Uh, but we, we start, we have, you know, meditations and exercises and information that we teach in that program that helps people have experiences. And it's not always a guarantee, you know, it's not a guarantee. We can't guarantee that, but we are leaving you with tools to work with and everybody can do it. It's really just a matter of staying alert and you know, aware. And that's why the Focus 10 training is so powerful because you're training yourself to, to remain alert. The falling asleep, I can't, I can't really prevent that. It doesn't matter how much I try, but once you've had some yeah. sleep and then catching it when I wake up seems to be, you know, that seems to be the ideal opportunity. I think it's different for different people. Yeah, that's actually the ideal opportunity for me too. But I also found afternoons um, and, I, and I would run two 45-minute exercises together. And I found sometimes that could be helpful too. But morning and that, that space between waking up and, um, and then getting out of bed, if you, can, if you can build in time to hang out there and just right after you've woken up, then you're, you're more likely to be in that state and be able to return to uh, something similar that's got you in a, a lot of theta, delta, and then, of course, the theta. It's amazing to me that it's so uh, related to 
a particular state of your brain, which is a very seems it's a very sort of scientific approach to me. That was what I was encouraged by. It's like, okay, well, if I wasn't born with psychic abilities, like your, your person who was three years old, then what hope do we have? But you know, there is a way to to tap into that just by applying a little bit of science. It seems right, right. It it, it works. So I have a question that I ask a lot of my guests is about what advice would you have for 25 year old Alan? Mm. <laughs> you know, I was already very curious when I was 25 and that's, uh, I actually probably started reading those, those books when I was 27, 28, but what would I tell, I, you know, really, so I'm going to be very um, vulnerable here, but I was so self-critical, so had so many self-doubts. And so I think that's where I got in my way. More, just even when I wanted to be an outreach trainer after being here for Gateway and then you take another program, I almost didn't ask about it because my thought was, why would they want me? And I just made, you know, I made myself do it. But at least, thank God, I had a little bit of courage <laughs> mixed in there because I, you know, that's how I, I think I keep moving forward is because I can pull out the courage card uh, or be afraid and do it anyway. Um, but that, that would be, I would say, hey, get over it. And the other thing I would say to my 25 year old self is not everybody's going to like you, and that's okay. So, those are the two things. <laughs> I've asked that question to a few people. That's really powerful. Not everyone's going to like you. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. and that's and, and that's had, okay. That's that's really good. And I had a meditation that brought that home to me. Yeah. And it, it, I heard this booming voice. It was a male voice, and it was. I just said, "Alan, not everybody's gonna like you." And I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." You know, but I, up until that point, that's not how I could see it. Yeah, that's really useful for me. I've got a history as a chronic people pleaser, so. Yeah. yeah, me too. That's I wrote a book that has that in the subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> so if if people wanted to, people may have questions for you. Um, mm -hmm. I'll get you to talk a bit more about the programs at the Monroe Institute in a sec. But if they, if they wanted to ask you questions personally, is is that something you'd be able to? And what's the best way for them to do that? So we have info at monroeinstitute.org. That would be a good way to send an email. And if it's specifically for me, just say that they would you know, ask to, to, for me to view it and they'll pass it on to me. Okay, cool. And it might be answered by someone else if it's not something that, you know, if they're just generic questions that somebody on staff might know the answer to. Yep. So can you give us a, a bit of an overview of what's, uh, the, what the Monroe Institute does for people who may not have heard about them before? So I mean, we offer programs and we have uh, about, you know, I can't even tell you the number now, I think it's about 30 different types of programs and they have different focuses. And some of them are on the focus level system and some are not. Some are Monroe Sound Science, which is not including the focus level system. Um, but it's, uh, it's a way for in, an individual, so if they come to a program, it's a way to have a very structured experience with purpose. For example, Gateway is the flagship where that's the introduction to the basic uh, focus levels. And then we have one lifeline that's about soul retrieval, soul retrieval of yourself and soul retrieval of others who've passed on. We have um, guidelines, so that'd be more about guidance. We have X27, which is exploring that 
the park, the Focus 27 level, and you know, so on and so on. And then we have other ones like near-death experience, Heartline, which is focused on the heart energy. There's, we have anything you would want <laughs> that uh, could, you know, move someone forward, just depending on what the purpose is, what they're trying to accomplish. And so you have some that uh, are done actually at the Institute there in Virginia, and then you have some online things and apps as well, don't you? Right. We have about a thousand people who come here a year. And then we have virtual programs, which some are um, a week long. Some are like two weekends so that you can not have to use if you're if you're someone that works Monday through Friday, uh, you just are having two weekends to cover the material. And then we have some shorter virtual programs. We also have online programs. So those are they're guided by a trainer. There's email, you, know, you can email them or chat with them. And then there's a, usually a video session once a week or a, a Zoom session once a week. So we have that format. And then we also have it where you just are getting the material without any guidance. And those are our lowest price points. And so it's really easy in an inexpensive way to experience what we do. Mm. I learned about the Lifeline program from Bruce uh, Moen's book. And I think that's absolutely fascinating. Do you, do you, is there been anybody that's been through that program or do you know of any experience that somebody's had that was particularly profound that you could tell us about? Hmm. You know, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to remember different stories, but I have one that I just recalled. Uh, Candy Sanderson, who is the author of The Reluctant Messenger. So it, it might be a book that I think it's a great book. So I think your audience would be interested yeah. But she, she was coming here for about 10 years and she took Lifeline and she got a download of someone who had passed on and she received their name, where they lived and just more information. And she was able to verify it like immediately after the session was over, the meditation. That seemed to un open this huge door for her where then about a I think it was a few weeks later, might've been a month or two later. She started as she would be driving to work every morning. She started getting all these downloads and she's, she verbally recorded them. You know, had a tape recorder that she just recorded everything. Then she transcribed everything. And that's what's in the book. And it's, so she's in a whole different space now uh, with this gift that was uh, gifted at Lifeline. Wow. What was, what was her purpose for doing, obviously her purpose, she didn't know that was how it was going to turn out. What was her purpose for coming there in the first place? Was it just because she had a relative that no. had passed on? No. So I'm not sure why she picked Lifeline. It might've been that a friend wanted to go, <laughs> but she'd already been coming for several years and she actually was one of the founding members of the local chapter network with me. So we were just both very passionate you know, about the organization. And so she would come like once a year. And that lifeline just happened to be the one she selected. Yeah. About I think it was ten years after she started. So, so what's in the future for for yourself and and the Monroe Institute? You think how how do you see the our understanding of consciousness evolving as as humans as time goes by? You know, one of our things that we're doing right now is a huge. We have this huge aspiration to reach one percent of the world's population, which right now is about eighty million with a direct experience because we believe the more people that can get into these states of awareness and maintain them, then we really can change the world. And of course, there are other organizations with similar goals. So all together, if we all focus on our 1%, we 
uh, will eventually have a tipping point, I believe. And I, I think that's what's driving us now. So do you have a final positive message that you could leave people with before we wrap up the conversation today? Yes, I do. This is possible for anyone and everyone. And we have this amazing sound technology that cuts out all of the years of dis discipline and training and can help you reach these powerful states for yourself, have these amazing experience, have these amazing experiences yourself. Awesome. So do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I can recommend it too. As someone who has, I've struggled with meditation it's, and yeah. like being able to focus and the, the, uh, the hemi-sync technology is, is really, really useful for, for helping with people in, with that if you do have trouble just quieting your mind, I can thoroughly yeah. recommend it and it's not expensive at all. Right, and um, the sound science is, you know, the evolution of that. And then we've got the app that's real, if there's a free section on there. So anyone can get started and, and listen to this stuff. Yeah. And experience. Yeah. All right, Alan, it's been great talking with you today. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. So I appreciate you talking, taking the time out to have a chat with me all the way over in Australia. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoyed it. 